In the following live session recording, Mitch Bellflower, children's pastor for First Baptist Church Lyons, Georgia, talks about training and retaining volunteers in preschool and children's ministry. Effective volunteers need to know what's expected of them, and they need to be trained to be successful in their roles. In this session, the listener will learn ways to train children and preschool volunteers, as well as develop strong relationships to support and encourage them in their ministries. Let's join Mitch now. We're glad that you guys are here uh, tonight. Hopefully, I know most of you just got through eating, and you're probably your bellies are full, and you're like me, and you just need a couch or a lounge chair or a sofa or something. So, but anyway, hopefully it'll be uh, a, a little, a little entertaining to you, and hopefully you'll get something out of it. Uh, just a little bit about me. I was not always full-time in ministry. I think some of you guys were here in my first session. You'll just get to hear this twice. I was actually in law enforcement. I was in law enforcement for about 15 years before I got into full-time children's ministry. If you could love something, if you could eat, sleep, or breathe something, that's what I did. Yes, I was on... Uh, I'm on the preventive side of that now. So, um, so, but anyway, uh, now, while I was doing law enforcement, we were always involved in some type of ministry with the kids, whether it was teaching Sunday school, teen kids, or doing something on Wednesday or anything like that. Kelly and I, we always did that. So, over a period of years, we would do uh, the, the Sunday school thing and the Wednesday night thing. It was mainly Kelly teaching the lesson and I'm over here and I'm just getting the craft ready and those kind of things, okay? So that's just kind of the relationship that we had. It was one Sunday, uh, a guy came to me and he, his name was Brian. He said, Mitch, I want to ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, are you going through anything? I said, no. He said, anything happened? I said, no, it's all good. And he said, you're going to think I'm crazy. He said, I had a dream. And when he said dream, I was thinking, mm-hmm. but anyway, he says, I had a dream last night, and all I know is God told me to tell you that your answer is yes. And I said, yeah, he's crazy. So anyway, I just, you know, I just kind of put that in the back of my mind. Uh, we hugged, and we went on to, to Sunday school, whatever. Well, three months later, we, I was singing in the praise band, and God placed a call on my life. Now, I don't know, I didn't know where it was going to be, what it was going to be, or anything like that. But I looked down at my wife, Kelly, who is in the congregation. She's crying, she's shaking her head yes, so I know that God's talking to her, and he's talking to me at the exact same time. So I get down, I get her, we go to Brother Danny, and we basically tell him, we say, look, you know, we don't know what's going on. All we know is there's an obedience call that God has placed on our life. And our answer is yes. So that was three months before, remember the yes. So for the next two years, we continued to teach Sunday school and do Wednesday night services and stuff like that. However, over the two-year period, our roles swapped. Where I started teaching the lesson. I started preparing the Bible studies. And Kelly actually started doing the crafts and making sure the snacks were ready and those kind of things. So we did that, and that rocked on, like I said, for two years. Brother Danny, which is our pastor and our youth pastor, came to me one uh, afternoon, or it was actually right before church, that Sunday night, 
and he asked me, he said, look, we've been praying about some things. We had just built a new children's building, and we were in need of a full-time children ministry. Or we had a part-time, we needed a full-time. And he says, your name just keeps coming up. Will you pray about it? And I said, you know, okay. Well, I didn't think anything about that, and I really didn't pray about that at that time. I mean, I was in law enforcement. I'm telling you, if I couldn't keep the door in, I wanted to be the next one in after it. It was just that kind of thing. So, about four months passed, four or five months, Danny came back to me and he said, Mitch, he said, have you prayed about that? And I was like, well, not really. I mean, I just, I had. He said, well, we pray about it every day in staff. And you're just, you keep popping up. He said, well, you just pray about it. And I said, okay. I said, I will commit to pray about it. So there was a timeline set where I had to give an answer. Now, I prayed a certain way. I prayed that God would tell me and show me in a bold answer. I was not looking for just a feeling in my heart, you know, a warm, fuzzy, you know, that kind of stuff. I wanted to know that it was God calling me in to this ministry. Because if I was going to leave something that I loved, it was going to have to be Him calling me out of it. Or I was not going to be happy. So that's how I prayed the entire time. Now, like I said, there was a deadline, and I had to tell Brother Danny my answer, whether it was a yes or no. Uh, as far as accepting that, we were going on a cruise. We went on a cruise that last week, right before I was supposed to tell him. Kelly kept asking me, she was like, what you going to do? And I thought, well, I mean, I know what the Bible's, I know how I'm feeling, and I know what the Bible's telling me, but it's just not that bold answer that I'm praying for. So on the way home, that Sunday uh, morning, we were driving up 95, coming home. I was supposed to tell Brother Danny the next day, that Monday. And Kelly asked me, she said, well, have you thought about what your answer is going to be? And I said, well, I mean, it's, I still run in the same thing. And I said, why don't you read it and you tell me? So she gets the Bible out, going up the interstate, and I told her the verse. I said, why? You, I mean, see what you think. Well, she reads it, and it's probably about 10 seconds after she reads it, maybe 12 seconds, not very long at all. On the side of the road, a big, huge billboard, and this is all that's on it, in big, bold, black letters. It says, read God's Word and do it. That's it. That was all it said. No scripture verse, no nothing. It was just those words. Okay? So immediately I looked at her. She looks at me. We knew that that was my bold answer that I had been praying for. Now God sometimes waits till almost the last minute that we think to give us our answer. But he did that just the right time. So we called Brother Danny immediately in the car and told him that we were we were all in. And I can tell you this. When God called me out of it, he called me completely out of law enforcement. I have not missed it. For someone to like it and love it as much as I did, he replaced that with another love and another passion. So, that was 10 years ago. I've actually been a full-time children's pastor now for 10 years. So, that's just a little bit about my story. The short version. Okay, so let's get into this. Maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna have to tell Susan. She's gonna have. To, we'll beat on the wall. Like this, so. All right. So, what does the Bible say about children's ministry? Who can tell me that? What's the Bible say about children's ministry? I'll give you a hint. Here's the hint. It says nothing. All right. 
the Bible says absolutely nothing about children's ministry. Or at least it says nothing about, it doesn't give us a description where you see kids getting together and then you actually see a Sunday school design or a Sunday school role there. Okay? So it doesn't say anything about that. So, what does the Bible say about children? Yes. The Bible says a lot. Okay? The Bible is very clear. And there are clear commands in both the New Testament and the Old Testament that, uh, about the importance of teaching children the truth about God. Deuteronomy. Let's look at that. If my clicker works. We've been having some problems with this, but I think it'll work. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. It says, These words which I command in you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Okay? Now, let me just tell you this. You can just take basically a couple of sentences out of that verse right there. Just these two right here. When you lie down and when you rise up. Okay? Basically, if you didn't say anything else about it, that's a big, huge deal. Okay? So the Bible tells us a lot about that. It goes over into the New Testament as well in Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. It says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, so that it will be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so it goes right on over. So basically what we're to do is we are to teach and tell children about God as a part of everyday life, no matter what we do. Okay? That's what the Bible tells us to do. When we lay down, when we rise up, when we walk by the way, every single thing about our lives and what we do, we should be teaching them about God. Okay? We should be using those examples about God. So, I know some of you guys are in here and you're thinking, why am I in children's ministry? Have you ever thought that after being in it for a while? Probably, yes, right? Uh, I've thought about that, especially the second week after I said yes to that call. And here's the reason why. The second week, actually I came in, I'm, I'm a very organized person, and I made a list, and I had boxes, and I wanted to check every box, okay? Well, guess what? That does not work until you do. I don't think that works in any ministry. What I have learned in the last 10 years is in ministry, you better be flexible because it's usually not going to go exactly how you plan. Well, that was what I ran into, okay? So I've asked myself that. Why? Am I, God, did I hear you? Or did I read that sign? Was that sign for somebody behind me? You know, those kind of things. So why are you in children's ministry? Here's the reason why. Because children are important. That's why you're in children's ministry. Jesus even thought so. Okay? In Mark, He says He took them in His arms and He began blessing them and laying hands upon them. Okay? Now, it says that they were bringing them. Okay? Now, the day was the parents. All right? Back before that, the day in there, if you've ever wondered who they was, it's the parents. 
the parents were the one that was bringing the children to Jesus. Okay? Now they were bringing, here's the deal, they were bringing their most prized possession of all to Jesus so that He could lay hands on them and bless them. Parents today haven't changed. They're still the prized possession, the children are the prized possession of the parents. And they still want their kids to know about Jesus. Okay? So children are important. I did a little bit of research. And this is some of the research that I found. Alright, so um, research has shown and it's proven that kids tend to be more receptive to the gospel than any other age group. Now in my last session that I did, I had a chart. And I can tell you this, 46%, almost half, now get this, almost half of all Americans that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior did so or do so by the age of 13. Almost half, 46%. So if you're in children's ministry, and you are or you wouldn't be in this classroom, Children are important. That's a big, huge age group. No other age group is like children. They're the most receptive of all age groups. So, when's the best time to get them? Before the rest of the world does. And when we do, you can inspire them to inspire the world. Now, we want to teach our kids to be followers of Christ. That's our main goal. Wouldn't you think so? Alright, that's our goal in children's ministry. So, but, now here's the thing. You can't do it by yourself. Alright? You can't be a one-man band. Children's ministry is not going to work that way. I said in my last session that it takes a lot of volunteers to make children's ministry happen. Okay? Now, just orchestrating and getting volunteers to come on a regular basis, that's a full-time job. Is it not? Full-time job. Okay? I worked with a guy, and we were actually in a board meeting uh, at, at the school, and he, he told me in the executive session, we were standing there, and he was like, man, I can't get my workers to come. He says, I pay them, you know, I do this, and he was grabbing them. I said, Try that with volunteers that don't get paid, that you can't say anything to hardly, and if you, you, you can't fire them because you need them, right? I said, try that with some volunteers. I said, at least you got some leverage with a paycheck. So anyway, the point is, you can't do it by yourself. It was never intended for us to do by ourselves. All right? So here's the first thing that we're going to talk about. I know that this is what you're in here for. Now, I will tell you this. I am not fixing to give you a magic potion or a secret formula where you're just going to have volunteers running out of your ears and you're going to be like, wait, I don't need any more, I don't need any more. That would be a really cool problem, right? All right, so, all right, well, guess what? You're not going to walk out of here with that kind of formula. I do hope that you walk out of here with at least some ideas of how to get the right volunteers, and how to keep them. Okay, so notice the word there, 
right. I didn't say just any volunteers. You guys need somebody besides just somebody that's going to fog up a mirror. Now, I know some of you guys in here are thinking, I'll take the mirror fogger, you know? Uh, one of those. Well, here's the thing. You think you will. But if you think about it, if you just get somebody that's going to fog up a mirror that was not called into that ministry or has no passion for that ministry or don't even like kids, that's going to be more trouble on you and way less beneficial to the, to the kids. Okay? So what we have to do is we've got to get the right volunteers. And here's how you do that. This is what you don't do. Do not, under any circumstance, put out a blanket statement begging or asking for children's ministry workers. Don't get up there on stage and put an all call out in a desperate void where you need volunteers. Okay? This is what I want you to do instead of that. I want you to pray and ask God to show you a specific person for a specific class. If it's a sixth grade class that you need filling, then you pray about a sixth grade teacher. If it's a pre-K class, you pray about a pre-K class. Okay? Don't send an all call out over the, the loud horn. Be specific and pray. Okay? Placing the right volunteer in the right place is crucial to you and to the kids. If you get the right volunteer in the right place and they're loving what they're going to do, most of the time, they're going to stay with you for a little while. Now, if we place the right volunteer in the wrong place, guess what's going to happen? Still going to be a little confusion there. All right? So make sure that you place the right volunteer in the right place. Regardless of the size of your church, and no matter if you're a small church or a large church, everybody seems to need more workers. Okay? But don't put out the blanket call. And I know some of you guys are thinking, yeah, but I get that text every morning, or on Sunday morning. I get it. I get it very regular, especially over the summer. The summer I get them a lot more than I get them during the wintertime. Y'all know that text. Sunday morning about 6.15 or 6.30. Uh, we decided to sleep in or we're not going to be there today. And, you know, so those kind of things. I get it. All right? But what we need to do is we need to find the right, the right workers. God's in control and He wants your ministry to be a success. So ask God to lead you when you seek those leaders. Alright, so, you need to recruit the very best workers in children's ministry. Don't allow just anyone to work with kids. I just got to telling you a while ago that statistics show and studies have proven that kids, 13 and under, are the most receptive age out there, period. So you guys have the most receptive people that you're teaching every Wednesday and every Sunday. So don't go get just anybody. What you need to get is you need to get the superstars of teachers. Even, even if you have to pull them from your adult classes. It's already been proven that ages from 40 and above, that's the smallest, the absolute smallest piece of that pie where 
the receptivity. Okay? It's like 12%, I think. Okay? That's it. That's all. So if you've got some great adult teachers that's in your adult classes, pray about that. You ask God to, to do to prepare them and you go after them. That's the ones you want. You should have since this is the most receptive, you should have the best teachers that you can find. Okay? Alright. Kids will look up to their teachers. Okay? So you'll know a good recruit when you see one. Now here's some of the things that you can look for. Alright? Active members. Your members, the teachers that you're going to get, they should already be active in your church. Alright? They should already be active and supporting members of your church. They should also love kids. That would be a no-brainer, right? Alright, well I got news for you. Whenever I came in 10 years ago, there was a couple of teachers. Now they were they were older and they had they have been doing it for a long time. And they were sweet and great help. However, kids just wouldn't want to understand. They were just doing it because someone put out a blanket call. Someone put out a desperate call. And they responded to that call just because nobody else really was. Now here's what happened. That teacher got in there and she just wanted to lecture. Well, let me go in and tell you a teacher that only lectures, kids are not going to want to come to that classroom. You better be exciting and you better be fun. They need to love, in other words, they just need to love kids. Don't persuade someone out of guilt to come and work in the children's ministry. This is what you can do. And I said it in my first session. Look out there in your congregation. Look at your church. Look in the parking lot. Look in your foyers on just any given Sunday or Wednesday. See who your kids naturally gravitate to. See who they go to. You'll find out that they'll go to different ones. You want me to tell you why? Because they like hanging out with that person or they like hanging out with this person. They're funny. They relate to the kids. So the kids are going to naturally gravitate to those. See who they are, pray about them, and then go to them and say, hey, you know what? I've seen you around church. You really are really good with kids. You would be a super asset to our children's ministry. And we've been praying for someone just like you. Guess what? It may part their ears up. All right? they, now they may tell you nothing, but it's okay. Go after them. Keep going after them. Brother Danny came after me three times. Okay? Just because they tell you no once, you pray about it. And if God's still leading them to you, then you just keep going and keep going. Some of us are a little bit hard-headed than others. Alright? So, the next one that I think they need to have is they need to be willing to prepare. Now, the question is, is this. And if you've got it, I want to know. Does anybody in here, and I'll take a show of hands, who in here has a curriculum that prepares itself? I need it. Nobody? What? Ah, oh, 
Exactly. There's not a curriculum that prepares itself. So the teacher that you get, the volunteer that you get, they're going to have to be willing to sit down every single week and study the lesson and prepare it. If you go unprepared into a classroom of kids, they will eat you alive. Okay? I mean, eat you alive. You got to be willing to prepare. So when you're talking to, to teachers about that or you're talking to volunteers, go ahead and mention that up front. Say, you know what? There is a certain amount of time that you'll have to devote to spend to prepare. Just be up front with them. Okay? All right, so that's what we want to do there. Then we've got this one. Team player. All right, they got to be a team player. Kids ministry, remember I told you that kids ministry is not a solo act. You're going to always need multiple leaders. It's not a one-man band show, okay? So a team player. If you've got someone in there and they're not a really a team player, you might want to have to talk with them, okay? has to be a team player. This is always good. If they're called by God and they're called into the children's ministry or if they're called into preschool, man, you're talking about somebody that's going to stay? That would be the one that's going to stay. Okay? So that's what you want. Nothing can take the place of knowing that you're called by God into kids' ministry or leading kids. Seek out those members. Okay? that sense God are leading them. Listen to conversations. Watch and see who gravitates to who. See who comes and visits your children more than one time. Alright. Ministry description. When you're approaching someone, this is what I mean by that. When you're going to talk with someone about serving in your children's department, if I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to mention some things. Say, so, you know what? I think, I think you would be a, a really good fit for our children's ministry. I mean, it's just, I see how kids are just come up to you. You love on them. They love on you. It just kind of brightens their day. It brightens their day. I mean, I think you, you're really going to be good at that. I mean, it's, it's just, it's exciting to me just to see you react with them. And just And then them react with you. Would you consider praying about coming and and kind of serving in their children's ministry. This is what you need to expect, though. Okay? Be willing, because what's going to happen is if we're really in a conversation, he's going to ask me, well, well, what would I be doing? What's involved? Okay? You need to know. Go ahead and know. Now, I'm not talking about go ahead and flipping out a pamphlet that's got all those in there. But you do need to at least be able to tell them some type of description. Well, you know what? Right now we got a fifth grade class and we're needing a teacher in there. And this is what takes place. Give them the schedule. Let them know what they're going to be doing. Let them know how long they'll have that class. Because if you sit there, like in my situation, I'm, I'm going to keep talking, but I'm going to sit back here and turn this air back down. Because apparently I turned it away. Well, it was his fault. But anyway, if you are... Um, if you're sitting there and you're giving a description and then we're asking questions, be able to answer those. Alright? That's the, that's the main thing. 
Because if I want you to come to my children's department, I need to at least give you what I want you to do. All right. In mine, whenever we go in, we go into large group. After we eat, we first go to cafe, then we go to large group. So what my teachers, my teachers only have 30 minutes. 30 minutes in their small group settings. That's it. So 30 minutes is going to sound really good to you over an hour and a half. See where I went there? All right. So don't, just be, just be ready to give some type of description for that. If I say, hey, I just want you to come in children's wing, it's kind of open-ended. And then he gets in there and he prepares uh, an hour lesson and he only has 30 minutes in there. Now, I've already frustrated him because he spent a lot of time preparing for an hour lesson, making sure that he's got enough time for that, when all he really needed was 30 minutes. Okay, That's what I'm talking about as far as the description. What we want is we want to nurture and we want to grow our volunteers. And when we do that, what we can do is you can identify some abilities and some gifts that they have. Okay. Now Paul talks about the eye and the foot, different body parts, okay? Which means different body parts. We got different uh, spiritual gifts, okay? We got different talents. That's what I mean. If you got somebody that's great in preschool, don't stick them in children's ministry or vice versa, okay? You get to learn their abilities. You may have someone that's an absolute phenomenal storyteller and they just, they can keep attention after attention after attention. Well, you know what? It may be that you can incorporate them into your large group setting if you have one of those when you actually do the Bible lessons. If not, and, you, and you're weak in that area, or if, you're, if your church is weak in that area, get that person to do a large group. Instead of, instead of doing small group, instead of doing your Bible study in each individual class, if you've got room and you can do it, bring them into a larger group area just for the Bible study. And then when you break out into your classes, that's when you can do your other activities, such as your games and things like that. Now, when you do other activities and games, make sure that they relate always to the lesson that you just taught. Don't just do a game just to be doing a game. Make sure that your games and your activities relate to the lesson that you taught. Now here's what I do, and it's, it helps with identifying some of that and also helps with growing and nurturing our, our volunteers. When they come to me or if I go to them, I actually make them choose or I give them a choice. They can serve on Wednesday or they can serve on Sunday, but they can't serve both. Here's the reason why. I want them to be fed so that they can continue to feed, but I also want them to be able to have interaction with the adults still in the church. Now, Kelly and I learned the hard way with this. Remember, I told you we would do Sunday, we would do all kinds of stuff. So, what's going to take place? They have the party over the balloon, it sounds like. So, we'll holler back this year. I'll give you a chance. So, whenever. They are really happy. They're not learning anything. So, whenever. Let me figure out where I'm at. Oh, yes. Oh, Wednesday and Sundays. 
I get them to choose, and this is why. When Kelly and I started doing it, we did it for about three or four years, and we were always doing something with the children. Well, it got to be where I had no clue who my adult members are or were in my church. I didn't have hardly any relationships with any of those people because I was always in the children's department. And if they didn't come over in the children's department or if I didn't work with them in the children's department, I didn't have a clue who they were. So, whenever I went into full-time ministry, that was one of the things I was adamant about. They had to choose. Now, it meant that I had to get twice as many workers. However, God provided that and God blessed us with that. So they have to choose because I want them to be a part of the church just as much as I want them to be a part of my children's ministry. They need to be with adults and have adult conversations not just always with kids, okay? So if you're a leader, you must continually grow. And I told you about Paul using the human body. When we don't find the abilities and we don't find their gifts, we set that teacher up and that volunteer up for failure, okay? And that's why they don't last. Now here's a biggie to me, super biggie. How many of you guys train volunteers? Okay. Figure out this way. I got you. I understand. Alright. Now, once you get your volunteers in the right place, we need to train them. Willingness to serve. Okay? Willingness to serve does not automatically equal ability to serve. Just because they're willing doesn't mean that they automatically have the ability to, which means we have to train our volunteers, okay? How many of you would accept a job of building a house with no tools to do so? I mean, none. Probably none of us, right? Because we know that there's gonna have to be tools. There's nothing more frustrating than being asked to do a job and then not given the tools to do the job that you were asked to do. No different in Sunday school. No different with our volunteers. Training is a continuous part of ministry and anything else for that matter. The other day, uh, I think it was Tuesday, I don't remember. Anyway, I was talking to Stephanie. Now, Stephanie uh, works at one of our local salons and she was cutting my hair. And I got to looking and on her desk or on her little thing there is uh, a certificate, a license. And I got to ask her and I was like, you know, what's, what's all that about? No, guess what? She has to go every year and do certain hours to keep up her license. No license, no job. I was in law enforcement. Every year, I had to do minimum of 20 hours of in-service training to keep my certification and license. No license, no job. My wife teaches school. Every year, she has to get PLCs or whatever and to keep her certificate and license. No license, no job. If a hair cutter, a teacher, a police officer, if they have to do training every year and keep up with new things to maintain, why would we ask and expect our Sunday school teachers 
who teach the most perceptive age on the planet, why would we not ask them to be trained? If we don't train them and train them well, they can't come back and teach our kids well. So training is a huge part. And that's why I think we need to do it on a regular basis. Look at this right here. Some of you may be able to see it. Some of you might not be. But I'll tell you. Um, one state convention discovered that 98% of the top fastest churches provided training for their Sunday school leaders. Okay? Now, I know... Who in here... Does anybody in here know Steve Parr? He's actually part of this convention. Okay? He, he had something to do with this book and these statistics right here. Um, and he even asked that. Or, or had some things to do to it. But look at this right here. Churches that provided ongoing training, either monthly or quarterly, grew at a rate of excess of 13%. Churches that provided less training grew at a smaller rate, 4.2%. Now here's what got me. Churches that provided no training at all did not grow, but they declined 2.1%. How many of us fall in that category? When I put this together and I did these research and I did these statistics, I was like, man, I need to do more training than what I actually do. And we were training once a year. But now, we're going to do things a little bit different. Because I can tell you, I want our church, I want my children's department to grow, not decline any at all. And statistics show that the more we train, the more we grow. And here's the reason why. If you get trained at something, and you're trained and trained and trained and trained, what are you going to eventually do? You're going to get really super good at it, aren't you? And when you're super good at it, you're going to get super comfortable with it. You're going to get super confident with it. And then because you're comfortable and you're confident with it, man, she's fixing to just flourish. She's fixing to blossom. And the kids are going to love it. Because she has been trained to be able to do that. That's why we need to train. You're taking this class today because you want to get trained on some things. Okay? Training is super important. Super important. So if you're not doing it, I would encourage you to figure out a way how to. It doesn't, it doesn't lie. It's been a statistic for years. The more we train, the more we grow. If we don't train at all, we're just going to decline. Okay? I know none of you guys want your churches to decline. Another big thing that I think we need to do with our volunteers is build relationships. Now I'm going to pass this out. This is a little exercise. What you'll be doing is you will reach in or dig in or whatever. Everyone grab a penny. Okay? This is going to be our penny exercise. Go ahead and start. Yep, go ahead and start. And then once you get it... Now, here's... Here's what you have to do. And if you can't see the date, I've got some magnifying glasses over there because some of those you can't see. All right? So I thought about everybody. Even I had to use a magnifying glass on a couple of them. So especially if you get in the light. You're like, ah. 
So anyway, if you want magnifying glasses over there. When you get your pen, I want you to look at your date. Make sure, make sure that you are living within this date. That means if you get 1967 and you were born in 1983, get another pen. Okay? Make sure that you were at least alive during that year. I don't know that I got a 67 in there. I might. I don't know. I don't have it a couple of 60. Everybody got it? Okay. All right. So we started at this table in my last session, so we're going to start at this table in this session. So, Keisha, if you want to go first, tell us what year and the two events that stick out in your mind. 2013. That was a monumental year for me. Uh, for about 35 years, I was full time music director. Kind of get burnt out, tired of the music wars, and so I went to the church I'm at now and decided to become a children's pastor. Since I always did children's things. Gotcha. So those two things happened that year. All right. All right. Eventful year. Okay. That was an eventful year. I, I, honest to God, I don't know. This is a 2006, and I really don't remember. 2006. You think about it and we can come okay. back to you if something comes. Okay, All right. you ready? okay mine's 2019. My air conditioner broke. <laughs> and I turned 55. Okay. Alright. Okay. Alright. Alright, mine is 2006. Since I changed, I started my teaching career and August of 2000, no, school year should change. Yeah, August of 2006, and then our first one was born in July. All right, okay. Mine is 1980. I stopped staying at home and went back to work full time, and my youngest child went back with school. That was his first year of school. Okay. Her husband. All right, okay, all right. Last 2016, I turned 27 and found out I was going to be an aunt.
1996. Uh, so I had moved to Mississippi that year, which was a big change for me. And uh, my dog, which was a husky named Jack, ended up passing away that year, which was a pretty big deal. So at the time, so there you go. I have uh, 1980. I believe that was the year that we moved from Homerville to Ludwissi, and it's the year my brother was born. Okay. All right. Here. 1975. Don't remember much about that year. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can think of is, you know, future years, that's the year my wife was born. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. 2015, um, year before my number three was born, and okay. this year we decided not to have more kids. I have three boys. <laughs> and then back to normal uh, life. <laughs> After a So I have 2002. So I was in the second grade. So I remember my, I remember the boy I had a crush on. I thought it was funny to squirt him with his water bottle. And I was supposed to just like, just do it. And it was just going to like, just go like that. I soaked him. And I cried about it. <laughs> so that was one thing. And I remember another time, this was also at school, I remember being really frustrated in math. I wasn't a very good student. And um, and I just remember crying because I couldn't figure it out. And my teacher just telling me, like, it's okay. We're about to go to recess. Don't worry about it. That's, that's, those are the first two memories that popped up. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. All right. So here's the key to this lesson. We were talking about building relationships. All right, how do you build relationships? You got it. You have to know folks. So to build relationships, you got to talk to each other. Now I used a simple thing as a pen. Every single one of us have built some type of relationship just because I've heard two events that stood out to you in all different years. What if you did that with your volunteers on a regular basis? I do things like that with my volunteers. We go out as far as we do a, a kids ministry outing. And this is what I mean by that. Four times a year, we do it once a quarter. Two times, we take kids, everybody, do a whole big family thing. Okay? All my children's ministry workers and their families will go. Sometimes we come up here uh, to uh, the clubhouse and we do things here. Sometimes we go to Pooler. Other times we may just go to someone's pond and just have a good time there with a cookout, things like that. Two times I do it with the, with the kids. The other two times is just adults. Grandma, granddad, they can keep the parents or they can keep the kids while the parents go and have adult conversations with other adult kids, okay? Now, those are the times that I go to like Longhorn, we'll go out to eat, um, and we just fellowship. Now, almost every single time, I don't care how cold it is either, almost every single time, for some reason, we always wind up at some kind of ice cream thing. <laughs> every time, okay? So, that's all you have to do. Is to build relationships. It's just be a part of their life. Now, once you build a relationship, 
you kind of become like family, right? If you got a really, really close family, who in here has a really close family? Like super close. All right, let me ask you a question. If you were to ask some family members to do something for you, would they do it? Oh, yes. Did you get that? Yes. So if we can build a family-type children's ministry where we're all close, we all have a good relationship, they're going to want to stay because they feel like they belong to a family. They feel like they belong and they have a purpose. And you build that relationship with them. And if you ask them to do something, they're going to do it. So build relationships, okay? Also, you can do this instead of just having outings. I visit, let's see if it'll pull up. I visit my Sunday school classes every, uh, I'm going backwards, never mind. I visit my Sunday school classes every Sunday. I do it for a couple of reasons. One, I want to build relationships with my teachers. Two, I want to build relationships with my kids, okay? So every single Sunday, after my large group, and they break off into their small group sessions, I go and I visit every class, even my downstairs in preschool. I go, and I may not do anything but just push a dump truck with sand. I may not do anything but put a couple pieces of puzzle together with Brooklyn. That's all I do, is spend time. And when I do, I'm in the floor with them. I'm not standing up here, I'm in the floor with them. If I have a conversation with them, I go to my knee and I talk to them. Here's the reason why. A conversation when we're face to face and eye to eye is a whole lot different to me anyway than it is for me to be way up here and then to be down here. I want them to know that they're important to me. So I get on their level. Make relationships with your kids as well. Make relationships with your teachers. When I visit those classrooms, I'm making relationships. I ask them, say, hey, you need anything? Got anything going on today? Those kind of things. I can see how the kids are reacting to the teacher, how the teacher are reacting to the kids, okay? And vice versa. And I'll know, you'll know within just a minute or two if there's an issue. If you go in and you got kids running everywhere and this teacher's over here and they're trying to prepare or they're trying to get stuff put together, chances are they weren't prepared and it could be for a reason. So it could be something worth digging into. Maybe, maybe they just had a bad night. Maybe they had a bad weekend, you know? It could have been something at home. Could have been family related. Build relationships to try to find that out. Okay. So visit your classroom. Be visible in other words. Do I have any pastors in here? Like senior pastors? Okay, I don't have anybody in here. Alright, here's what I would suggest. And I tell the pastors that come to this class sometimes. It is monumental. It's really big. It's a huge deal when pastors visit your children's point. And they need to do it more than just once a year. They need to do it regularly. I would say minimum once a month. 
even if they don't do anything but just kind of walk through the halls, just say hello, hey, appreciate what you guys are doing. What it means to that volunteer is that he thinks it's important. Kids ministry is important to him. And it also, he's building a relationship with them as well. Alright? So I would encourage you to do that. You don't need a big budget. I know some people are like, man, well, I just don't have the money to do that. Here's the deal. You don't need a big budget to love on one another. Okay? Love is a big key ingredient. When you show love to your volunteers, it spills over to the kids that they're teaching. Now, how many of you guys have ever played around with a magnet? I got another little activity over there, but I won't do it. Um, here's the thing. What does a magnet do? If I took a magnet and I took a... Yeah, absolutely. So it attracts. So what happens is if I took a steel ball and I took a magnet and I put it close, what's going to happen is the magnet is going to attract the steel ball. Now, if I have another steel ball and I put it close, what's going to happen to the steel ball is it just attracted to the magnet. It attracts. If you want to have a magnetic energy and a magnetic children's uh, ministry, then you've got to develop that atmosphere. Okay? So that means if you're that lead person, then you have to have that energy. You've got to be that magnet. And when you attract this one, they're going to attract another one, and then another one, and then another one, and another one. And then before you know it, now what you've got is you've got a magnetic children's ministry. And ministries like this, ministries like that, not only attract great people, what do you have to do to get rid of them? They keep great people for a long time. A long time. In the 10 years that I've been full-time at my church, up until March of this year, and I'm fixing to change that, but up until March of this year, I have had a waiting list for volunteers to come serve with my children's department. I know some of you think waiting list. Yeah. Waiting list. Now here's what I mean by that. I have people that come to me or I go to them when I think that they're ready or they think that they're ready and they want to serve in children's ministry. They will be put in what I call a sub list. Now, they have to do the same background checks. They have to do the same training. They have to do the same thing that all my other teachers do. But what happens is now I've got a sub. I've got a pool of folks. And I think there's eight of them in there. But I've got a pool of folks that if you're going to be out someday, guess what? You don't have to call me. You, can, you already know because she already has a list of my subs. Those subs already know that they could be called. They already have access to all our curriculum so they can pull it up. All she has to do is just call them and say, hey, you know what, something came up, can you sub for me in second grade tomorrow? Bam. Now, most of the time, well, 95% of the time, I'll get a text and say, I'm not going to be there tomorrow, but Julie's going to cover second grade for me. Okay? Now, my sub list, it usually goes like this. It can go one of two ways. The sub list, when they start subbing, they will figure out if that's really what they want to do, if that's really their passion, and if they've really been called to that. 
And they can also do this. If you sub in preschool, and then you sub in third grade, which is up there. So now you sub some in preschool and some in my children's department. You may not be as enthusiastic about the preschool as she is the children's department. So now you gotta you can figure out whether she's a hand or a foot or an eye. Okay, those kind of things. But also what will take place is this. And it happens all the time. I, I actually got to talk on one two weeks ago, or actually a week and a half ago. One of my subs, they came to me and they said, Look, I I, I want to do this full time. I want to be one of those. Now, they realize that what's going to take place is they get put on a waiting list, and if someone comes off, then they would replace it as long as it fits the area that they're comfortable with and they want to do. We had uh, a husband and wife team that actually come off uh, in March, and just because they, they've done it for several years, and she's, I think what's happened there is she just, she's in the band, He's doing the media. There's a whole bunch of things going on there. And they just were so busy at church with everything that they had to back off a few things. All right? So they're going to a couple Sunday school class. Guess what? I encouraged it. I'm like, you know what? Go for it. Been there. Done that. If they're not getting fed, they're not going to feed my kids. So they pull off. And then I have another sub that was on my waiting list. Guess what? It just fills your spot. So if you don't have subs and you can get those, that would be a good thing. Alright? So, magnetic ministry. Once they're magnetized, it's a whole lot harder to pull them apart. Okay? But here's the key. If you don't have the magnet there, which is us, which is you guys, they're not going to be magnetic. Pull that magnet away, not one of those steel balls will stick to each other. They'll roll around and then eventually fall off the table. Okay? So if you want to have a magnetic ministry, you've got to make it that way. And when you do, they'll attract piles of folks. So, let's go to this slide. Keeping your volunteers. I think these are the four things that I think is four reasons why. Now there's probably a lot. But these, I think, are four key reasons that we lose volunteers. It's lack of. One is recognition. Everybody likes a little recognition, right? Okay? All right. Absolutely. I think that if we don't recognize, and I text, I call, I put little things in classrooms uh, all the time, just letting those volunteers know how much they mean to me. Because I can tell you, I don't want to tell the trumpet of a drum, a guitar, a trombone. I, I'm not a one-man band. Can't do it. God never intended for you to do it by yourself. So recognize the help that you have. And they'll appreciate that and stay. Another reason I think that we lose them I told you about it. It was training. Okay? Statistics show that we decline when we don't train like we're supposed to. Third thing, 
is motivation. Okay? Motivation. You can motivate someone by your own actions. Okay? If you're not motivated, if you're not excited, guess what? Your teachers are not going to be motivated and they're not going to be excited. If you're in there and I'm in there, or just take me through, if I'm in there and I'm doing my large group lesson and I'm not motivational, if I'm just sitting up there and I'm just telling the story and I'm just kind of reading the Bible, I'm not excited. I'm not motivating anybody. Guess what's going to take place? I'm going to rub off on you, whether you like it or not, and when you go back into your small group classroom, you're not going to be very motivated. You're not going to be very excited. So the more exciting that you are, the more convincing that you are, the more motivating that you are, the more motivating your volunteers are going to be. And then last, assignments. Okay? If you ask someone to volunteer, make sure that there's something for them to do. You can't ask someone to volunteer in your children's ministry and then when they get there, there's really nothing for them to do. You better have a plan. You better have some curriculum. If you don't have it and they don't have something to do, they ain't going to stay very long. We had uh, several years ago, uh, our youth pastor um, just invited some parents. He went and he said, look, Will you come help me in children's department on Wednesday? And he had three or four couples, you know, three or four parents said, yeah, you know, I'll be glad to get in there. Well, he didn't give them any description. He didn't tell them what he wanted them to do. When they got in there, this is what they asked. Well, what do you want us to do? What, what are we supposed to do? Oh, I just want you to hang out with the kids. Just hang out with the kids. Play pool with them. Play ping pong with them. You know, just... Just be with them and just hang out with them. That didn't last long at all. Because here's the reason. They had to do they needed to do something more than just go and hang out. Okay? They didn't hang out with adults. Why would you go and hang out there? Give them an assignment. Make sure that they have something to do. When the kids see that you care about them, This is what's going to take place. They're going to go home, and they're going to be like this right here. Can I stay longer? That was fun. They love me. And I'm cared about. Now, here's the thing. When you tell your story, when your volunteers tell us your story, when the kids go back and they get in the car, with their parents. And trust me, the parents are going to ask, well, what did you learn at church today? What did you learn at Sunday school today? Now, a lot of the typical answer is about Jesus, about God, you know, that kind of thing. What would happen if you had an environment, you created an environment because of your motivation, because of your magnetic uh, personality, what would happen if when the parent asked, child that and then the kid says well we learned that Jesus fed a whole bunch of people with just a loaf of bread and a fish you know those kind of things alright now we're talking preschool yeah. that's what you want but here's the thing when you get those volunteers in there 
another big proponent of mine is you have to get their attention. You have to use props. How many of you guys have noticed the present up here behind me? Almost everybody, right? How many of you guys have wondered what is it up there for? What's in it? What is he going to use that for? All right. You did, didn't you? All right. Let me tell you why. Because we're curious. Kids are curious. Why not use curiosity to benefit us when teaching a lesson? When we teach that story about Jesus feeding the 5,000, I don't use goldfish. I go to the grocery store, I go to Walmart, and I buy the big fish that's got the head, the eyes, the whole nine yards on it, where it looks like a fish. And then I get five loaves of bread. And then when we tell the story, and we don't pass out the fish, <laughs> we break off the bread, and the kids get to eat the bread while we're telling the story. Now, I've used that prop to get their attention, to keep their curiosity, and that's going to last a whole lot longer. That's the kind of ministry that you guys want. And when you do some of these things that we talked about, when you volunteer, building those relationships, being that magnetic person, being motivated, visiting around, being visible, that is how you keep your volunteer. Okay? That's how you don't have to worry about where the next one's coming from. That's how you get a waiting list. Now, I, I know some of you guys are saying, I hope so. I hope so. Guess what? Pray about it. Children's ministry is a spiritual work. Okay? It's God's ministry. It's not mine. It's not yours. God can do it through someone else just as good as He can do it through any one of us sitting here. It's our obedience and our willingness to let Him do it through us is when we get blessed. Okay? Alright, I think I'm, we've got about four or five minutes. We will stay as long as you guys want. Anybody have any questions? Anybody have any comments? I'm not the only one that I learn every day. I notice a lot, like in ours, it's usually the older people than the kids. You cannot even get the parents of the kids really to want to come. It's like they want to say, I need a break for my children. That's why right. parents, yeah, mm -hmm. we see it all the time. Yeah. And even gotcha. teachers that teach school year, yeah. they don't want to yeah. volunteer yeah. in the kids' ministry because hmm. they have kids, what, nine months yeah. out of the year? Well, just be blessed that you got the older ones. Yeah, um, now, our church is a our church is the exact opposite. Um, I, now, I have some older ones, but I can't get the older ones. They're like, I already done that. I done served yeah, my so time. That I ain't yeah, doing so that you know, that kind of yeah. so Ours is the opposite. But here's what here's what you can do. Um, just be thankful for the ones that you do have, and you can build on that. Okay, and start building relationships with some of the some of the younger ones. Um, and you know, see where see where that leads. Okay, I think relationships is the absolute biggest thing that we can do as far as in our children's ministry. If you build those relationships and you build them the right way, where you become tight knit in your family, just like she said, you can ask our family to do things. 
they're going to do it. No different with our children's ministry. We just got to build that relationship. Now, is it going to happen overnight? Absolutely not. But it will happen. It will happen. And those, the children's ministry volunteers that you have, they're going to start talking outside that church. They're going to be the ones that say, man, we're doing this, or we went and did this, or we have this, or we did this in Sunday school, this kind. And then those are going to, that's going to perk up some other ears. And that's how you have people come to you and say, I heard what you was doing. Um, talk, let's talk a little bit more about that. Those kind of things. Okay? Any other questions? Anybody doing anything at your church that's working? As far as this, these are just suggestions I have. And like I told you, it's not a magic potion. There's not a, a super formula that I have that you guys can just give. If I could ball it up, I would ball it up. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't even sell it. I would give it away because kids are that important and children's ministry is that big. Yes, ma'am. Um, how do you address a volunteer that's not doing what they really need to be doing because they're volunteers so you want to say it nicely you know because they don't work for you how do you address that okay um i have had to have some of those conversations i will tell you this those are not easy conversations however they still have to be said pray about that a lot before you have those conversations and ask God to give you the words and the wisdom of what to say. And then you may can go in and you may can just talk and say, hey, you know, I just I wanted to talk to you and just ask me, point blank, is, is something going on? I mean, and if they ask you why, then you come back with, well, I've just been noticing lately that I'm just not as connected to the kids as I think, you know, as they need. Or as you may, they may have been connected at one time. They may have fallen off. That was in my case. They just kind of lost it. Um, had a lot of things going on. Just be super humble about that. Super loving about that. If you go in there and you say, you know what, uh, you ain't gonna cut it. I gotta have some way more than what you're giving. So either you can shape up or ship out, I guarantee that's never going to work, okay? So don't have that kind of attitude. Just have a loving attitude. And it may work itself out. In my case, it worked itself out. When I started asking those questions and I started probing a little bit, what turns out is that she was going through a whole bunch at home. And she did. She just lost her passion for why she was even in children's ministry started. And the more we talked, she would cry, I would cry, and she eventually, she says, you know, she says, I, I want to do what's best for the kids, so it may be that I have to step up. And if they say that, if you can find them another place that you, that if they still want to be in there, here's, here's an example. I don't know if you guys do card ministries. We do birthday cards. I have someone that comes in every Sunday and they go through my database and they write call birthday cards for that week. Someone like that, they could do that and they're not really teaching and in with the kids in that classroom. However, they'll do sermons 
and they still feel like they're being used and being used. Okay? It's never going to be an easy conversation. I can assure you of that. But, and it's never one that I would rush in and make it. Uh, I would I would have, if, if something took place, I always wait probably two weeks before I even have a conversation with Because I want to pray about it. I want to ask God. I'll even talk to Brother Danny about it sometimes. You know, and just, just get some opinions on it. Okay? So... Just be humble and be loving when you do it. And then ask God and hopefully He'll He'll solve it for you. One thing I did when I first came to my church, let them know I'm supposed to have fun guys. We went to Stevie B's every fourth Sunday. We bought their pizza and mm-hmm. worked with Stevie B's and gave them tokens and Sunday right. school teachers played with them and it was just yeah. really, really a great time. Every fourth Sunday they look forward to it. Oh, absolutely. Fourth Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Plan different events. I mean, when you're building relationships, you don't have to do it just at the church. You can do it through your fall festival. You can do it through a park night. You can do it through a movie night. You can do it through trunk or treat. October's coming up. Now, I, I don't do a big, huge fall festival like some do. I used to do that. But we do a trunk or treat, and it has turned out to be super big. And I don't have to do all the work. The people that came or that come, they decorate their own trunk. All I have to do is just supply the candy. And most of the time, all I got to do is just put a, a basket out in my children's foyer asking for candy, and it usually gets filled up. I don't even have to buy any of that. So just any of those kind of things, kids love that. And they need to see Jesus outside of the four walls of the church. Okay? They need to see us doing things at the park, or they need to see us doing things um, you know, just at the school or nursing home or anything like that. Alright? So yeah, that's a great idea. Anyone? What are some of the ways that you either use your curriculum or talk with your teachers about equipping parents to disciple their children or to help parents connect with what you're doing in the classroom? Okay. Alright, we um, we used orange on Sunday. Uh, that's just what I've always used. I love it. I don't know why. It just, it just, and it's worked really good for us. Um, it has a parent sheet that we can print out and we give with them. And what happens is it gives the verse that we're learning. It gives the story that we're talking about. It gives what you can do at home just to keep those conversations going and, and those kind of things. So that's kind of what we do and we even do it on Wednesdays too. We, I have a, a, a sheet that comes out. Every month, I have like a little newsletter type deal. And it's not really a newsletter. It's basically just a sheet of paper. It's a front and back that has that month's activities, the events that's coming on. If you guys will keep your parents uh, informed, I can promise you that's going to mean a whole, whole lot. I mean a whole lot. Parents love it when they know things. And they'll do things when they know them. However, here's a statistic in that. It usually takes saying something six to seven times before someone actually hears it. So that means you're going to have to tell the parent five, six, seven times about an event. Or they're going to have to, you know, so just if you keep them informed, they'll they'll come and they'll participate in that. But we send stuff home with them. Uh, on on a weekly basis, on Sundays and Wednesdays. 
All right, that's all. I'm going to pray for you guys. And then uh, I hope you have a safe travel. See you back tomorrow. Okay? All right, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that you give us. Dear Father, we're undeserving of everything that you've given us. Uh, but we do thank you for it. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity to minister and to reach kids. Dear Father, you tell us and you show us in your word which is true and accurate, that kids are important. They're part of, they are the future of our church, but not only that, dear God, they're the church today as well. So I pray that we're able to minister to them. I pray that you will just use us as the vessels that we are so you can do your work. And I pray that lives will be changed. I pray that families will be touched. And Father, I pray that souls will be one to your kingdom. I pray this in your name.